I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham. Joining me this evening are Matt Knight. Hello. And Joe Branton. Hola. How's it going? Yes, wonderful. Good. Without uh, Jay Cross this evening, he's off doing something. I don't know. More uh, it's his sister's birthday. Oh yeah, that's it, yeah. That's how much dedication he's got to this podcast. His sister's birthday. Let that sink in. How's it going, Matt Knight? I am good, thank you very much. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Joining us again via the power of the internet, so, um, you know, do bear with us. Next week, I think we're all going to be in the same room. Are we? Yes. Yeah, yeah we're going to have a podcast on Sunday. Yeah, we're going to have a breakfast and do a podcast. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. The old gang's Fun. back together again. It's, it's kind of weird doing it with no visuals, because we're not, we're not doing it over camera, just, just Skype audio. Yeah, um, it's nice. It's like having a two-hour-long phone conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Um, back, has, back in the day. How's everything been phones. this week? Um, Joe, you've been in the studio. Um, how was that? Some ridiculous pictures of your guitarist setup. It was really good, yeah, yeah. We had five days in uh, Brighton Electric Studios, um, uh, uh, which were five very long days, um, recording our new very, very proggy record. So we had some really interesting gear yeah for the whole thing we uh so for people who don't know you're in a band called polymath yes who are sort of like prog math we rock. we were yeah we were like a math band and then we were a prog math band and now it's definitely just a prog. straight up emerson lake and palmer yeah that sort of thing well i i, I told you shortly before we did this podcast but we um the the record we recorded is coming just under 45 minutes um, <laughs> and there are three songs on it so yes it's uh can, it's, can you remember how really to play them? seriously live can you remember how to play them yeah yeah we have to i mean some of it's improvised a little so your sets from now on your live sets are you just going to play three songs well no we, we'll probably we'll do like oh you got to play the old classics we'll do like radio <laughs> edits right where they're like shorter and snappier okay. so we can fit a few more in seven inch version yeah exactly that um, so you were a math band you're now a prog band I'm not going to pretend to understand the difference right um, prog's a bit more like hippie-ish and that isn't it? It's, it's not more hippie-ish more uh, like um, uh, theatrical just uh, I, less less um, snappy okay so less that's the that's the only way I less rock yeah and more. sort of more like lots of weird stuff oh, we okay. had some Mellotron on there I saw that played through um a Mellotron app that we downloaded on an iPhone because we couldn't get a Mellotron. Of course. Um, but yeah, we uh, had a Mellotron app running through a Boss Slicer. Um, there we go. We talked about it last week. Best fact, pedal. You best, weren't here, were you? Sli- I wasn't we here We were talking last about week. underrated pedals and we were talking about how good the Boss oh, yeah. Slicer is. Do you know, we, we, we were borrowing one. It was our producer who brought in the Slicer and it was the first thing our guitarist did getting out of the studio was to find a secondhand Slicer. They're amazing. And yeah. They are oh, absolutely good. brilliant. Brilliant, but I mean, the, my guitarist pedal board was uh, twenty-two pedals strong for the uh, for the recording, <laughs> which was um, quite ridiculous. Which I have a question about, which I will come to later in the podcast. But that was good. And we had six heads. We were using a um, oh, what was it called? 
what's the what's the Roadhouse Thirty? What's the company that do those? Cornford. Cornford, yes. We had a Cornford Roadhouse Thirty. Um there was a high watt high gain fifty, which we always use. Uh Matt, your old hovercraft dwarven twenty was on it. Um an orange rocker thirty, um a Selma uh treble and bass fifty. Okay, nice. Um, and a Vox Night Train 50. That was the thing that I was a little uh, confused about. Um, yeah, I was surprised all, to see that one there. All the others are big, powerful tube amps, you know, 50 watts and above-ish. Yeah. What was the Night Train doing? Um, the Night Train we use predominantly as our um, our drive amp, one of the drive amps. Um, and we, we actually broke the high watt. Uh, halfway through so um of we, course we we had to we had to uh, swap that out and the two drive amps became the um uh the roadhouse and the night train the night train probably ended up being the second most used amp on the record which i was really surprised about we we bought that um on tour for 190 quid when my band were on tour and tim's rocker 30 broke Orange were getting a new one out to us, but it was going to be a day, and we had a gig that day. So we went on Gumtree and, and, and found someone in the local area selling a, a Vox Night Train 50 for 190 quid, and we went and bought that on our way to our next show. I love that you spent 190 pounds to cover you for one gig. Yeah, but you know, we. we uh, got, you're getting your money's worth now, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And so we. Um, yeah, and it was absolutely brilliant. What a massively underrated amp. It's kind of like all messaboogie-ness for a fraction of the price. Yeah, I've not really used one. Matt, that's kind of what they're going for, isn't it? They're going for that sort of boogie, you know, kind of does loads of sounds, big American drive sounds on there. Yeah, it's kind of weird, really, because, you know, thinking of, like, Vox's heritage, um, it's it's quite a, it was quite a weird thing, when especially when they did the 15, because I'm assuming they kind of were going for, like, oh, we need to make a lunchbox amp. But, yeah, they, they actually sound really good. The, the drive channel on the 50 is much nicer, I think, than the drive channel on the 15, just because you've got a little bit more sort of headroom and a little bit more openness. Yeah, it was um, it, it, it was absolutely brilliant. I, we, I was incredibly surprised that when when being used alongside all those kind of big names that it ended up being kind of the main drive amp for the for the record and the the hovercraft ended up being the main clean amp that kind of we kind of ran out of gain should be the, the other hovercraft. way around i know you would have thought but um i guess no i guess yeah yeah well you've got too much headroom i guess just too loud basically mm. what on the um hovercraft no the hovercraft's only 20 watts oh is it yeah Hmm. It was just, uh, it, it wasn't, you know... Just the way around it was working. I guess yeah, it's yeah. quite easy to get into... The, the way the night train's probably set up, it, I assume it had just an input gain control, so you could actually just push it without having it up super yeah, loud. Exactly, yeah, exactly, so. But yeah, it was wicked. So what, we had... Sorry, go on. What'd you do for bass? Uh, for bass, we were using um, two things. Um, we went and picked up a an Ampeg B15, Portaflex, nice. and a 60s one. Uh, an early 60s one okay um which uh, again brings me on to this side thing that i want to talk about but i'll I'll leave it on this i'll I'll tell you the story of how we got that is an important thing for all listeners to know about but i'll come on to that in a bit so we were using an ampeg b15 the ultimate recording amp unfortunately it was a 60s one that hadn't been used for a while (laughs) How, how many songs did it last for um well i none because i didn't want to use it because i sort of powered it up and it sounded great there was some problem with the integrity of the cabinet, so right. there was something rattling. So I ended up extension cab cabbing out. But then I was thinking, well, if that's the case and it hasn't been used for a while, I, I need this to be on for two days. Yeah, it's it's going to go, and I'm have to I'm going to have two songs sounding one way, one song sounding another. So, um, so in the end, I used a um, a Fender Bassman one three five. Oh, you for got all of them because you talked about before that you were using one of those for something or yeah, other yeah that's right I've been using it in rehearsal for oh, yeah. a few weeks Apps, I, I love that amp so much and, and I use the cab that, that they've got with it it's the old silver face of the 60s ones rather than the 70s basement uh, and they've got the, the 215 matching cab in Brighton Electric Studios as well so I yeah. used that and it was absolutely brilliant pretty much my whole sound for the for the entire record was that um, and then I used the Boss um, bass driver Okay. As my drive sound. Getting its first outing. Yeah. And I mean, bear in mind, I had like, I have a Sans amp 
um, uh, uh, bass driver, the VT version, the Ampex, yeah, and and a host of other drive pedals like the uh, the the bass tube screamer, the T Rex bass juice. Like I've got loads of drive pedals. The the big muff, obviously, um, and we ended up settling on the Boss bass driver. So I thought it sounded absolutely brilliant. I was using it along with uh, an octave pedal that I bought off of Matt, an old uh, a 1984 Boss OC2. Glitchy. Yeah, it was wicked. I bet. I bet. Um, cool. And it, what you were showing me something about how you were miking up the bass cab oh, as well, right. which you, was very, very proggy. Yeah, so we used, um, well, obviously it's a 215 cab, so one of the 15-inch speakers we used a, a, a really good FET mic, and on the other we used a sub kick, which is a kick drum um, a, a microphone that looks like a snare drum. Yeah, they're weird those. Yeah, I've seen quite a few people use them for recording drums, but never for, never for the bass. No, I mean it was just for the drive of it, just because it was so unruly and ridiculous. Because it wasn't really designed to, to capture frequencies as high as a bass guitar, so it was really struggling. Okay, which sounded great. But, yeah. <laughs> How to break stuff in a nice way? Yeah, exactly. But we had we had some great stuff. Guitars were really interesting as well. So. Um, we we did everything on my bass and then all the bass lines got doubled up with a bass six as well. Um, of course. So the guitarist used the bass six as well for some lead parts going through a blues junior um, so that it was really, really weird. And It's a proper gearheads record, isn't it? Yeah, like you've used it everything. We used like a Dan there's Electro. No, there's no, no songs. It's just a podcast no, where yeah, they talk about this stuff. That's basically it. <laughs> we this, you're listening to the album right now. This is it. We used a Dan Electro 12-string, one of the DC-59 12-strings in places, um, and then a Gibson SG, um, a couple of Telecasters, and an old 60s Burns Vista Sonic. Okay. Um, is, my guitarist is left-handed, but fortunately he plays upside-down strung, so his 12-string Dan Electro and his SG are right-handed models. So he can basically play anything. Yeah, exactly. He's just uh, He hasn't even converted them, he just puts loads of tape over the controls okay so sets so, them where he wants them yeah, and then yeah, just yeah. tapes it all up but yeah cool good stuff right. when's it coming out uh, well I don't think we're our producer is we work with the guys from and so I watch you from afar who are like a a, a big instrumental Irish band and um, they will now be off doing um that sort of stuff mixing and stuff well we're going to go over for the mix we're going to go over to Belfast for it but we'll wait until September oh wow that's a long time to Mm. wait Matt Knight what have you been up to since we last spoke I haven't done anything as exciting as record a record I've literally been spending all of my time looking at the NAMM stuff Um, working in a music shop you kind of have to stay one step ahead of (laughs) of, uh, everyone that's going to and I'm bound to ask you loads of questions. So I've mainly been doing that and just awaiting my boss ES8, which I think will uh, hopefully arrive at some time at the end of the month. You, um, you were saying earlier you've been having a bit of a struggle with some valves as well. Yeah, um, one of my amps, it's, it is a Princeton, but it should have much more clean headroom and it just seems to be breaking up a bit too early. Um, and the annoying thing is I think I need to put some new power amp valves in it, but I don't have any spares, which is... Um, <laughs> really really annoying because I'm, sh- I'm sure that's the reason and I just want to know now and I can't be bothered to wait always a pricey thing to do as well particularly if you don't know if it's going to fix the problem like getting power yeah. amp valves is costly yeah and actually I was just having a look at some valves um, and I was thinking oh you know like what sort of preamp valves can you get power amp valves and you can spend up to like a hundred quid on some like 6v6s for a matched pair I mean, that seems like a crazy amount. Um, I'm always a bit wary of spending loads of money on valves because I just sometimes I don't know how much difference it's ever going to make. Because um, you can't, you can never compare them. You can never A B them, and that's always the the biggest thing, isn't it? It's like pickups, isn't it? Like you can't really tell what they're going to sound like until you've put them in, and particularly in the case of pickups, like you can't really return them. Yeah, exactly. You can't really like put some valves in, blast them for half an hour, and then go. Oh yeah, no, I want to try the other ones. But yeah, like I say, yeah, with pickups, you can't you can't have three different humbuckers in all in the same position and go. Oh, I like the sound of this one more than that one. It's um, yeah, it's it's really tricky. So have you got access? Know, I've to- always been like maybe I should just spend less. 
Have you got access to an orange valve tester so you can test the ones that are in there at the moment, see whether they're actually faulty? No, and I think the thing about the orange valve tester is I'm not sure if it does 6v6s. Really? Yeah. I can't remember because there's some it doesn't do any rectifier valves um, and I can't remember if it does 6v6s or not. Uh, um, maybe I'll have to try and get my hands on one and see if um, I have a look and see. Plug them in and just see whether it's a faulty valve or whether it's a just you don't like yeah. how they sound. Yeah, because it could be that they're not faulty. They're just kind of you just don't like you them. Can get, yeah, you can get some that have slightly better headroom than others. So yeah, know, we'll have to see. Yeah, um, I've been up to two things this week. Firstly, uh, the computer that we uh, use for the podcast, um, I completely took apart. And talking about like testing things and Matt you were saying that when you're taking these valves out and stuff like you've got to be super careful I'll tell you what is scary taking the back off a MacBook Pro and looking at the inside and going oh, I don't know what any of this st- stuff does but I'm about to take <laughs> half of it out and put some other stuff in oh god it was um well it seems to have worked the computer's still on the computer is absolutely bloody amazing at the moment it um yeah I, I removed the CD drive completely right and put in a solid state hard drive and put in another hard drive a bit more RAM as like a whole little project oh that's what, what nice what you got I've got a uh, 2010 MacBook Pro so like the one of the last ones that you can actually upgrade um, oh. so yeah it was like 180 quid and it brings it up nearly into line with the stuff that they sell for like 1500 quid now Oh, right. So, I might try that. I've got a fairly old MacBook Pro. Yeah, just pop stuff in it. It's uh, Yeah, it works great. It's, but it was daunting. It was like, you know how like with guitar stuff generally, unless you actually really dig into the amp, you can't really do, you can't go far, that far wrong. Like when you're setting up a pedal board and stuff, as long as you've got a 9-volt power supply, you just plug stuff in. Uh, or, you know, when you're changing valves, generally you can't go that far wrong as long as you handle them. Like this was actually scary like you have to undo connectors and stuff that I've never seen before and uh, thank you uh, it took me like three hours it took like 27 hours to copy my hard drive over Um, (laughs) but then yeah it was about a 30 hour job all round so yeah it was good really good the other thing um, I went to a a wedding at the weekend and saw the first wedding band that I've actually enjoyed oh that's right yeah yeah. I just realised on the email I put Mark saw an actually good weeding band. Yes, you did. I was <laughs> I, I was really confused. <laughs> Bit of a weeding. Um, they were really good. So the um, the guitar player they were were doing like um, like post punk stuff and like rockabilly oh, and stuff like that. Oh, that's why you thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, because they were actually doing you know the the late seventies and eighties hits. Um, but the revelation for me was uh, firstly the guy was using two different custom shop tellies and a Gretsch for the more rockabilly stuff. Um, Revelation for me was Marshall AVT fifty. Never, always, always a good amp. Like if you drive the front end of the AVT fifty, what's the AVT so 50? good? So um, they were the post valve state valve states. Oh no! Um, generally considered to be utter utter rubbish. Definitely. Um, they had some built in DFX and stuff oh, like that. God. Um, but the fifty sounds wicked no it is honestly the 50 is a gem (laughs) um and they did uh it's just like a little 112 combo 50 watts no digital effects apart from reverb there might even be a spring reverb in there um but they always sounded pretty good and uh yeah he sounded wicked at the weekend like these custom shop tellies just sounded amazing of a pair of custom shop tellies honestly but the thing is why don't you just buy one custom shop and then buy a decent amp but thing is you go back to the pv bandit it's like if you're just doing wedding gigs and you want something that you can sling in and out of a van on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights, um, then why not get something solid yeah, state? Fine, that, I understand that, that. I mean, especially with a wedding gig where you know there's a lot riding on your shoulders as a band, there, it would be nice to not have the risk of gear failure. Totally, and you know everyone's a bit boozed up. No one's going to be like, oh, lovely little whatever amp you've got there. Well, lovely. you should get a Crush Pro. An orange crash. Well, that's true, but I mean, he's obviously had this for a while because they've been discontinued for probably 10 to 15 years. Um, so. Probably 10 years. Um, but it sounded wicked. Really, really, really good. Um, yeah, uh, they were awesome. My first experience of a wedding band who were actually good. So mm, That's good. That is a rarity, I agree. You normally get such predictable sort of songs. I used to be in a Motown wedding band. Yeah. 
That was pretty cool. It's nice when wedding bands have an edge when they don't just play. I think you two have both done some wedding band stuff. Matt, didn't you do a bit of wedding band? Uh... Yeah, I, I did a covers band for a while, like a seven-piece band with a sound guy as well. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Um, but that's the thing, like you say, you can take loads of gear and loads of cool stuff. And, I'm sure someone uh, at the wedding did. Yeah. <laughs> but no one really cares. Like, like you say, you gig with an AVT or like a Crush Pro, it's probably going to sound just as good to everyone listening to it. It's just you're going to be going, oh, I wish I was plugged into my really, really expensive amp with my really, really expensive guitar. The other thing about the AVT is, though, emulated line out, so straight into the PA. No, don't need to mic it up. <laughs> oh, no, that's not cool. Yeah, what, what PA were they going into? Um, I can't remember. It was like Mackie's or something. Definitely a Mackie sub. I can't really remember the tops. I'd had a few gins. I did, um, actually, when I was in a wedding man, I did used to use a Boss ME um, 50B yep. for for everything. That was like my effects board for wedding stuff. I quite fancy doing a wedding band. I quite fancy doing like a, because everyone our age now, like late 20s to mid 30s, is getting married. And like, I just want to do the hits of like the late 90s slash early 2000s. Oh God, your wedding band would be Blink-182, some 182. Yeah, Blink-182. Yeah, um, some forty-one. I think that'd be all right. Like alternative pop punk wedding bands. Aren't some forty-one back? Uh, he did a gig. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, only him though. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, only him. Um, after his stint in the rehab. Anyway, let's. Um, Matt, you talked about some uh, some news, some summer nam news. It's been summer nam this week, so uh, let's talk about some news. News. Um, I've tried to put these roughly in the order of thing uh, that I kind of heard them, the order they were released. So a couple of days before, uh, Boss and Roland made a big announcement. Boss DD500 and RV6 first up. Matt, what do you make of these? Um, amazing. Like the DD500, um, I think the price of those is going to be like 260 quid. Yeah. It means that they'll be massively undercutting Strymon whilst offering yeah. a very, very similar piece of gear. It's um, it's amazing, really, because it, it kind of looks like they are really taking on board what people have been saying. They're kind of really looking at what's out there, and they're actually generally kind of going for the competition. They're not just going, oh, we make boss pedals, and boss pedals look like this. And because, you know, it, that's the, it's got to be the first boss-like foot pedal that doesn't look like a normal single or double stomp box. Yeah. Only the first effects pedal they've done, so not counting the ES8, that's got actual switches, like regular style switches. Yeah, yeah so I'm assuming, obviously, you know, Roland's renowned for their sort of reliability. I wonder what they're doing if they've done something different with these foot switches. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of designed a new switch or something. Um, I, I think that might be correct, because when you think, like, you know, electroharmonics are kind of notoriously bad for their switches, they use a similar design like the standard effects switch and they tend to go down quite a lot whereas boss stuff doesn't um so yeah maybe or it might be like a soft switch like the tc electronic stuff like it might not be a hard kind of click yeah I, i'd imagine it's the same switch they've put on the es8 because the es8 is like multifunctional and i i think if i remember rightly seeing on the dd500 like you can change the foot switches to do different things per patch as well um or you can set them up to do like loads of different controls rather than just like up and down bank or like change effects i think they'd like tap tempo and you can add other effects in using the foot switches and stuff like that as well so for people who haven't read up on it what does the dd500 actually do what's in the box um so digital delay um but what they're going for is obviously you've got analog modes tape and everything like that but what they're doing is adding in all of their sort of heritage of digital like rack effects um, which seems to be the kind of really popular thing at the moment. I think um, a lot of people who have been using old rack digital delays for years and years who now don't want to carry around like a, a huge rack setup are going for these sort of digital delays. Um, and yeah, that's what you've got. 12, de- uh, 12 delay models, um, nice big graphic screen. So it's, I think it's going to be one of the only delay pedals out there with a full LCD screen. Um, Is it like so- a colour screen? Because I've only seen it in black and white. No, it's not colour. I think it's um, like blue and white. So I think it's the same screen as the ES8. Okay. But you can have like full text on there um, rather than just kind of like 
that kind of like LED ones that you get on like the Strymon. Sure. Um, full MIDI control, looper, uh, USB, so you're going to be able to use the USB um, into the tone, um, like the tone central um, app that they've got, so you're going to be able to edit all the delay time, all the delays on your computer. Um, buffered or true bypass as well, which is also another big thing. It's the fact that they've gone, actually, you know what? People want true bypass. Let's put it on our unit. Is that the first boss to offer uh, true bypass? Yeah, I think so. I think everything has been has been buffered, and I think that's why loads of people, you know, in in the kind of the rise of the boutique, have been put off by it because they're always like, oh, I wouldn't go for a boss because it's got buffered, and I need to have true true bypass. Um, so I think they've gone. Well, actually, you know what? If you want the buffer, you want the boss buffer. It's there. If you don't, you can switch into true bypass mode. It's pretty amazing what boss have been doing over the last eighteen months or so. Kind of just disregarding years of history and going okay no we're going to put a regular switch in there oh we're going to lose the buffer on this one if people want it and um, we're going to you know debut some completely different designs um yeah yeah dd500 seems to be the kind of um the way they're going really they're taking on taking on the new boys taking on Strymon and just saying look we're boss we've been doing this for years get off yeah, our lawn it's, it's it's effectively it's almost going to be like the it's going to be the biggest thing since the Strymon timeline, I think. Um, you know, it's and yeah. and you know, just just for so much less money, it's it's, it's exactly what obviously they did with the ES8, um, sort of knocking. They've looked at the most labs, popular yeah. thing and gone, uh, not Voodoo Labs, Gig Rig, Gig Rig. Sorry, yeah. They've looked at the most popular one and go, yeah, I think we can do that better, cheaper, um, just to prove, you know, we're the boys. Yeah. No. Yeah, um, and what about the RV six? Um, it's just a revision on the RV five, or is there some some brand new stuff in there? I've got a feeling they're kind of going for a whole new sort of vibe on it, really. And because I think all that, I mean, the RV five got to be what ten, twelve years old now. Oh, it's quite maybe more than that. I don't remember there being. What was the reverb before? Three. I don't remember that at all. So it could be like fifteen years for the RV five. I mean, it it looks amazing, and I think the great thing is, is once again they've looked at what's popular um, and added things like um, shimmer mode. Uh, you know, they've got you've still got spring plate modulate room, um, but also dynamic delay as well, which is really nice. So it's um, wait, like d- duck- dynamic reverb? You mean? Sorry, yeah, dynamic reverb. So like ducking delay, I think as you hit it, uh, you get less reverb, and then as your note dies out, you, it the kind of reverb fades in. So it's like swells back in, basically. Yeah, and I think because now they've been able to kind of redesign it, new algorithms, better processors, it's, it is just going to sound better. I think the thing is, is the RV5 is just starting, or you know, for a little while, it sound a little bit dated. Uh, um, and I think this is just going to sound so, so much better. Yeah, the, I'm surprised the RV5's kind of stuck around as long as it has, because even when things like the Electronics Holy Grail started to come out, people just weren't looking at RV5s anymore because there's such a much more organic sounding reverb and then obviously TC Hall of Fame has just kind of come out and obliterated it um, so yeah really surprised that the 5 stuck around as long as it has and the 6 so far looks like it's getting quite a good reception people seem to be into yeah. it I think that's the thing like you say Hall of Fame and you know TC and Strymon have kind of dominated effects pedals for sort of 4-5 or five years now and I think boss have kind of just been gathering all the information and now now they're going to start releasing loads of products that i think are going to be similar in in kind of you know because they're trying to go for the competition but i think they're going to have their own sort of take on things as well um it's yeah i'm really looking forward to kind of plugging it in that and the dd500 is going to be awesome yeah dd500 i think is going to be a huge huge seller um just um, i mean as long as it sounds good and in early demo demo videos it seems like it does so um yeah i think uh strymon need to up their game again um so yeah it's- well, i was gonna say one other thing from uh, from the boss roland camp um and matt i know you're very excited about this uh the jc40 new jazz chorus 40 watts um what's the lowdown Amazing. Well, basically, um, I was watching some information on it earlier. So it's the 40th anniversary of the Roland Jazz Chorus. Um, and a little bit of information I picked up today is the original Jazz Chorus was the first amp ever. In fact, one of the first products ever to have chorus in it and distortion. 
Um, I mean, no one ever uses the distortion on the JC120, so... I think that's the thing. It's basically what they were saying was that, you know, no one had ever really put distortion in an amp. So most people, when they turned on the JC120, were like, yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. But, you know, (laughs) distortion was, you know, not a thing. It hadn't had time to kind of develop into what it is now. So it's um, same sort of, same circuitry, same. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Same chorus as the original. Uh, redesigned distortion circuit. So actually, I, I think they've, they've not kind of pulled one of the boss pedals. They've actually designed a half-decent valve-sounding overdrive circuit for it. Um, and um, stereo input as well. So you can have, obviously, mono for a guitar or bass, um, but you can also plug in keyboards with a TRS cable, so you get true stereo um, in those two speakers. And they're going to be, I think, 500 quid? How much is a 120? They're about 1,200 quid or something, aren't they? Or they, they go over a grand? Yeah, about a thousand pounds. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a big fan that visually they haven't redesigned them at all. It's just um, the same. It, it's got to be the closest thing to a Boss reissue that we've ever had. Kind yeah. of. Well, I mean, apart from because the, it looks the was a craft and the, yeah, which they sort of got around. Yeah, well, they put, put an X on some of them and a yeah, W on the other ones. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. They've kept the kind of aesthetic really because um, they, they've never done a forty before, have they? Didn't they do a fifty combo? Yeah, don't you have one, Matt? No, uh, yeah, I've got a 50, which I was plugging into today, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, um, I mean, it, it's funny, because what I was going to say was is that you can actually, although they're harder to find, obviously you can pick up older ones for fairly cheap. Um, but I, I think the fact that they're kind of, there's a few performance-enhancing kind of adjustments they've done on this that I think are going to make it, is, I think it's really going to bring it back into the forefront for people because obviously we know so many people use JC120 but every time someone plugs one in they're like yeah it sounds amazing but I'm literally never going to be able to carry this around no um, and yeah I just I'm I'm really looking forward to trying it out but as you say I don't think did they do a 40? they did a 20 and a 20E a 50 a 55 a 70 a 77 a 120 and a 120 head what was the 77? Uh, it was stereo, two 12-inch speakers, but it was 70 watts. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, they did a 120, and I think they did a 120 head, and I'm sure they did a, a 180, which was like um, four speakers as well. Really? Like what? a 410 or something? No, like a, yeah, either a four, yeah, I think a 410, because all the speakers in those stereo ones are 10s. Um, but I just... I've never seen one in the flesh. I remember one of the Roland guys sent me a picture of a store that he went in and they had one second hand and I was like, sure, it's got, just got to be unliftable. Um, I mean, my 50 weighs more than pretty much any other amp I've ever picked up. Uh, I have no idea why. I'm assuming it's to, to do with the speakers, but... Um, Concrete. Yeah. But um, the great thing about these amps is they're amazing. They're just amazing for stereo. Like, they take pedals really, really well because they're, they're really, really clean. They don't sound sterile. They sound really warm really lush and if you if you run it in stereo with a valve amp which is what i'm doing at the moment they just sound great i'm wondering whether the uh drive channel is going to f- fall along similar lines as the blues cube maybe maybe they're going to like take some of the characteristics from that and put that into the into the jc yeah i, th- I think that's what they're going for because the blues cube sound really really good uh, a lot of people are buying them a lot of people are starting to use them um, and you know, seeing some of the videos with sort of Eric Johnson using using his, I I think that's what they're going for because they want. Basically, I think 
most people are going to buy a jazz course because they want it for the clean and to have an extra drive on there is just going to probably swing it for a few people definitely um so another pedal that got announced just before the show kicked off tc electronics body res that is probably the worst name for a pedal of all time i was thinking that what is it it's um so it sounds like something that i'd go to a tanning salon for yeah or like a class at the gym yeah i've got to go (laughs) do body res tonight um, I think it's actually there's a TC Helicon product that has this effect in it, and I think it's called Body Res in the Helicon product. There, it's the um, acoustic um, multi effects plus vocal thing that I'm completely blanking on the name. Oh, the voice voice live acoustic live. is that what it's called? No, I don't know, mate. It's a vocal pedal. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But yeah, I think that's the name of the preset, basically. So, what's the idea behind it, Matt? Um, it basically is designed to give your guitar sound a little bit more depth and a little bit more warmth when you're using a under saddle pickup for acoustic. Um, as we all know, if you've ever taken an electro acoustic with an under saddle and plugged it straight into a PA, um, most of the time it sounds bloody horrible. <laughs> um, so the idea is that you plug you plug this in, uh, you turn it on. It's kind of like a, a Make Gooder pedal, but for acoustics, really. Um, it's, it's, it really is to just but get... the nice thing is it's not just... I was going to say, really, is just to get over the fact that piezo pickups under the bridge sound awful, pretty much, yeah. you know, hundred percent at the time. So, yeah, I think the idea is that you can just blend in. I'm not really sure how they're doing it. I assume it's some just sort of like digital effect that's like creating like artificial resonance, basically. Well, it, it's weird because I think you know you'd think with just one controller as you turn it up it's going to, that effect you're going to give you that effect more volume but I think as you different points on the actual turn of the control knob do different things really um, okay yeah so I think uh, in, in in lower volumes it gives you a little bit more warmth a little bit more depth as you turn it up it kind of adds some more frequencies in to change it so you can actually you've got a usable control right across the board rather than just always turning it up to 10 okay Interesting. I, I didn't get a chance to check out many demos, actually, of, of this stuff, um, just because I've been super busy and stuff this week. So I really want to... I'm kind of curious about the body res, because um, I think for a lot of people, it will solve quite a lot of problems, even though, at first glance, it kind of seems like a just a really stupid product, you know, like almost like TC have <laughs> run out of ideas. Um, but actually, when you think about it a bit more, anyone who's using Acoustic Live wants a single box to make their under saddle pickup yeah. sound better and this is think, exactly what that product is I think that's the thing it's not everyone can afford to get you know uh, like an 8 series tailor with an expression system or, or you know like a high end Martin with a Fishman or a system you know it's for the people out there that have got a cheaper electro acoustic and you know, as we say that an under saddle it's just it's almost like the worst place to put a pickup it's just it's picking up the brightest part of the guitar string um, so I think this is going to be a cheap solution for most people to get a much better sound gigging. Really. It's just the easiest way of doing it, isn't it? Putting an under saddle pickup in there because you don't have to mess around with like a magnetic pickup across the sound hole and all that kind of jazz. It's uh, just really easy, um, and this solves some of the problems. So uh, next up, Schecter Guitars have announced the Sultan, the PT series, and the traditional series, or the Trad series, I think it's actually called. Sultan is the best name for a series. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so the Sultan is um a strat unsurprisingly. Right. Um that has it's basically a throwback to some of their earliest guitars, their earliest custom shop stuff. Oh, that's cool. Because um, again, uh, like ESP, I think um Schecter started off as like a custom shop builder basically building like strats and tellies and stuff and eventually got into the metal market um so apparently this the sultan is a kind of throwback to that so it's a strat that has three single coils doesn't have a five-way selector switch but instead has um three three-way mini toggles no. right no. it's right? like the old fender series that's, yeah that's i remember problem, those yeah i remember the the ones with the little uh the those little buttons on them those elite series things wait oh what the um sorry so i said just put a five-way switch on it no i'm all about the mini toggles i'm all about that i think so so bonkers and when you see it because it's only got a volume and a tone as well so um it just looks so sparse because there's no regular 
it's really far from a regular strat layout because you've got the three micro switches and then the the volume and tone so i'm into it i'm into it and it's the one that i saw is like red with a maple neck so it's kind of like Knopfler-esque um oh no sorry red with a rosewood neck Knopfler-esque um and yeah and they've kind of carried that on in the pt series and the trad series pt being um tellies and trad being strats you know again going back to their roots really of doing kind of fender alikes yeah they've introduced some really why has what got two strap buttons the uh, sultan just so you got choice yeah well i didn't see that on the photo where are the two it's actually on the um it's on the the Schechter website um at the base it's got two strap buttons now i can't tell whether they've maybe photoshopped it incorrectly or whether they've just actually put two strap it's just so you got choice mate that's just how it works straps are adjustable in length <laughs> nah no, no not balance. all of them not adjustable all of them. balance is it because um, are they are they placed kind of evenly spaced at the bottom so you can essentially stand the guitar up against a wall without needing a guitar stand perhaps seems like a, an odd thing but yeah it's, um, um, it, do, it does kind of look cool though I mean I must admit it's um, like they're going to be expensive but you just know they're going to be an awesome guitar because they're custom shop made again aren't they they're not um, they're not production yeah, so I think they're going to be like I think their website's like three thousand seven hundred dollars. Wow. So okay. It's going to be about three and a half grand. Yeah, that's expensive. I've uh, I've been really impressed with some Schecter bits and bobs on the bass side recently as well. They've um, reinvigorated their Diamond series. Yes. Um, with with some new jazz bass and P bass options, and even some like traditional fifty one style P bass really? options. But yeah, doing some great stuff at oh, the moment. Oh with two jazz bass pickups, is that right? No, they do do one with um a modern precision bass pickup in it. Okay. So a bit like the Mike Durnt Fender is. Um, but some really interesting stuff. They've introduced like a solid order. You know that like really uh, the 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 best selling jazz bass of all time, that squire with a maple body, the, maple yeah, neck black vintage lock modified. Bass. Yeah, kind of that sort of seventy three ish look. Um was it seventy three or seventy five? Seventy 74 74 jazz <laughs> oh bang in between no 75 yeah. jazz yeah I think it's 75 um, but um, yeah they, they've kind of done something that looks a lot like that but they've put Seymour Duncan quarter pounders in it and you can have it active or passive it's really good they're making some really versatile stuff for not a lot of monies in, in that series I think those ones themselves are like 700 quid retail which is which is great for something with those sort of spec pickups and an active passive switch. Like Fender don't put active passive on their bases until you get up to the American Deluxe, and that's 1,500 quid plus. I love when those companies do something a bit more trad. There's something else coming up, actually, in this list, which we'll get to in a bit, which... Can I, can, uh, can I interrupt on the list before the next one? Go on. We, oh, because you had some stories at the beginning of the podcast. Well, that you need more, to yeah, tell. something that is definitely news that I think everyone should be aware of. And I'm, I'm just aware that we're quite far through the podcast and we've still got tons of things on this news list. Go on. Um, What's the news? So there is um, a. Oh, there, there is a. Um, a this is oh, great radio. Oh, this is terrible man, radio, isn't it? Man, seriously important news. Man flails for something on his iPhone. I know. I was I was trying to find the the company because I've temporarily forgotten. Can I pick in with something I saw? Yeah, go on. You do that whilst I look it up. So who, the, I saw a product um, at at Nam that yeah. basically hit a Kickstarter. So they were like, "All right, we can bring it to Nam straight away." Called the Dynamount. And it is, because um, Joe was talking about recording, it made me think of it earlier. You basically, you mount a, um, a microphone to it and it goes on the front of your speaker, but it can move uh, left and right, up and down, back and forwards and angle the microphone. And then it's controlled via an app over Bluetooth. What? Why so would you need that? You can, yeah. So basically, so basically, studios can have it. Uh, and the guy in the control room can have it and he goes oh yeah guitar sounds well we should need to move the mic back a bit so rather than physically actually moving it you can control it all remotely so you can program in the sweet spots where the microphone needs to be depending on what kind of cab or whatever um, the guitarist or bassist is recording with um, and they're going to be like six. they're going to be somewhere between two and six hundred dollars depending on which model you go for that's so it's basically for lazy studio engineers that can't be bothered to get up from the desk and go and move the mic. Yeah, sort of like motorized faders on a on a mixing desk. <laughs> That's unbelievably lazy. That is so lazy. Have, have, the, have they hit the Kickstarter already? Yeah, yeah, they hit the Kickstarter. Um they did like half a million on Kickstarter. What? 
Um, so like they've already like been able to make the product and obviously take it to Nam and yeah. Apparently, studios are raving about them. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Joe Brandon, what's your news that you want to chime in with? Right, I'd forgotten the name of the company, and now I have remembered. There is um, a, a very, very large um, hire company in London called Harris Hire. They do a lot of Abbey Road's uh, equipment. They, they've also done uh, a lot of equipment for music videos and things like that. They have a, an amazing selection of stuff. Um, well, the fellow, Mr. Harris, if you okay. will, is, uh, is retiring. Is that actually his name? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why not? Okay, good. Um, I think his name is Harry. Harry Harris. No, it's not. But I, I, I do have his contact details somewhere. Anyway, he's, um, he's selling everything. Okay. In uh, uh, is this an ad? Have you snuck in an I ad? I snuck in an ad. Well, no, I, it's not really an ad. I just think everyone get on this. I mean, go to like Harris. Uh, what do you call those? Is that a dash? Hyphen hyphen Harris hyphen hire dot co dot uk. That's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he can't pronounce H's either because he's really Cockney. Right, okay. But um, go to arisire.co.uk. and up the uh, Aris. Yeah, exactly. And um, and check out his gear list. It is ridiculous. So he's listed it in um, in the year of its release. Okay. What's um, the first year? 1936. Okay, cool. What's from 36? It's a Gibson EH150 lap steel. Cool. With a Charlie Christian pickup. Yep. Um same pickup John Lennon and that's 950 quid the prices on everything on here is pretty good uh, Jimmy Wilwright the bassist in I found out this through, through uh, Jimmy Wilwright the bassist from Tiger Cub went up there the other day and picked up a 1966 P bass how much for £1,500 wow that is cheap Reefin okay still still, still good great price so any other P basses um, there are a couple of other P bases, but they're in. They're obviously in better condition because they cost a little bit more. But there is some amazing stuff on here. Some amazing like uh, Burns Vista Sonic, Sonic stuff from the early sixties. There is actually a, a Super Baseman on there, okay. uh, um, a one three five for seven hundred and fifty pounds. But there is some crazy stuff. There's a proper actual Mellotron on there for five grand. Um, there are things like stuff that. Is is ridiculous. I'm I'm trying to find something ridiculous. Things like a 1967 Gibson Hummingbird. They actually have a Gibson EB2 as well in candy apple red for two grand. Loads of like 60s SGs and a few Slingerland drum kits for any drummers up there. Some Wem stuff. Um, Watkins copycats. They've got some of those. Um, the best bit about all of this is you're on 10% commission for this five minute long <laughs> advert. This, that is you've really just long, <laughs> this is a really long advert. Oh, there's a Rickenbacker 4000 bass in black for £1,750. That's the one that I. Um, is that, it? That's the one that I sold for 600 quid. Oh, really? Not it's that it, one. Oh, it's in 1973. They've got a 1968 all Rosewood Telecaster prototype. Yeah, one of George Harrison's ones, yeah. How much is that? 1800, 18. I think. What? 18,000, sorry. I was going to say. <laughs> and you know the story behind this guy? This guy is the who was, was the custodian of the Peter Green, Gary Moore 59 Les Paul. Oh, um, really? So Melvin Franks basically owned it, but he looked after it. Um, and then obviously when Melvin Franks sold it to um, Kirk Hammett recently um, but yeah he's the guy he's like the main Les Paul guy um, he's owned loads of 59s he's looked after loads of 59s he's like one of the main kind of people out there on the history of sort of old Les Pauls as well oh amazing I didn't know that but yeah I mean really anyone you know jump on there and grab a deal because there's some amazing equipment on there and there's you know it's, it's going to be hard to find this amount of stuff in one place you are actually on a commission aren't you <laughs> oh no you are no I'm just I'm just probably going to buy some stuff from him I'm probably going to buy the basement for 750 quid I might th there are some weird things though there's a Burns Vista Sonic base on there 1963 yeah Vista Sonic bass for fifteen hundred quid. Seems like a lot. Yeah, in that is a lot, isn't it? Because in um in, in the Baker Street, the Brighton Baker Street guitar shop at the moment, there is a sixties Burns Vista Sonic bass for five hundred pounds. How much are they paying for this ad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he sounds like he's got a lot of good gear, but does he have the Eden Glow plug? Oh god. <laughs> What? One of those. It's, it's not a classic now, Joe, but it could be. A and glow it, plug. And <laughs> a glow plug. An announced at Summon Am, the Eden Glow Plug. Okay, so Is it's, this something to make bass players feel better whilst they're playing? Yeah, it's, it's a glow... To stop them oh, from following through? It, they hit the brown note? Or? Um, yeah, weird. It's, <laughs> it's actually glow hug. 
Uh, it's just when you're feeling a bit better, you. Right. Um, so the Eden butt plug. Um, no, what it is is a. Uh, I think it's a twelve eight seven. It's essentially a well, valve preamp. I'm not putting glass anywhere. No, um, it's it's essentially a valve preamp um, with a crossover, so you can choose which frequencies are going through the glow plug. And um, this is ridiculous. Yeah, how I, is this a product? It's it's just basically a valve front end. This so is you, this is because Marshall have bought Eden, and now Eden come up with stupid ideas as well as Marshall <laughs> coming up with stupid <laughs> ideas. No, it looks all right, Matt. Have you got a picture of it up there? Have you got some some? I deep? have. Ah, uh, uh, you know, we. Uh, what is the point? <laughs> I think that says it all. Give Probably, up? No, <laughs> there's loads of other products like it. So it's you know it's once again it's. It, it has its uses definitely um and i suppose the thing is with bass players if, if you're generally going into an amp that to be honest most of the time is going to be solid state yeah it makes a difference to have some sort of valve preamp the thing and is it just doesn't look very good it doesn't look very professional i think that's my problem with it the thing is i'm so i'm i'm a bass player i don't know if you know that but um the last thing i want is valve warmth in my bass sound i don't want that at all I That's, want, but that is because you're an idiot. No, except that 99% of people do want valve warmth, but then 99% of people are, are smart enough to buy valve amps. Well, but also at the same time, um, you know, Orange have, are now doing that AD, not AD series. What no, they no, the the OB one, OB one series, the OB one three hundred and five, not valve. No, true. Um, you know, know, there's so and much Aguila, cool bass stuff. Aguila Tone Hammer as well. Like, yes, these are all great examples. Sans amp, of, of don't need valve. Um, counts less but yeah yeah. it's true the, there are the new boss pedal that you rave about not really good preamp no valve inside yeah true I mean there are some good stuff there, there, there are some good things out there without valves now I agree that with that it Most just seems aren't. like a very strange product I just yeah I tell you what isn't strange and it's super cool um, Guild yeah that's right they're back in the game I can't believe they're back who's bought them I uh, don't know I think they might be independent now Matt um, I actually don't know. Okay. Um, um, two new bases, the Chris Hillman Bird Base and the Starfire Base 2. Should I be excited about You them? bloody should be. The reason you should be excited is... So, Chris Hillman is the guitarist from... Uh, the bass player, sorry, from the Birds. Right. Um, and so this bass is like... Well, in fact, let's talk about the Starfire 2 first because it makes more sense to do it this way around. Right, way around. Starfire is a hollow-bodied, like, 335 yeah, style. We know the sort of Starfire-style thing. Of okay. course, Fender kind of nicked it for their um, uh, Colorado. Coron- Coronado. 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 Um, so the Starfire 2 is a brand-new take on the Starfire. Two humbucking pickups, like, big square chunky humbuckers oh that's cool um, so that's got a bridge and a neck pickup um, and it's a like semi hollow body uh, and comes strong with uh, round wounds so nice and versatile probably is going to sound similar to a Coronado but uh-huh. they're, they'll be a bit more um, I think they're going to be a bit more expensive because they're a bit more handmade right um, but the Chris Hillman version is a single humbucker in the middle comes strong with flat wounds yes. yes I think you'll be into it in a big Big way. What, what sort of body shape on the bird? Starfire. <gasps> so a hollow body base with one humbucker yeah. and flat rounds on it. Yeah. Yes. That You're is right, amazing. Uh, Do you know what? This is good because I was going to talk about this but then decided not to. I'm on. selling everything. Okay. Is that what's inspired? <laughs> is this another advert? No. Is this for your stuff this time? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I am actually selling everything except for my 50s uh, precision base and I'm keeping my orange cab only because I'm buying a second orange cab, a okay. second orange uh, 15, and I'm buying one of the Obi-Wan heads. If, what about if all I the can't Yamahas and that? I'm selling all the Yamahas. I've already sold one. Which I'm one? I'm selling the other two. I sold my 44, my Sunburst 44. Okay. I'm selling my, my 1979 BB-800. I'm selling my uh, BB-714 Billy Oh, the Billy Sheehan. I'm selling the Geddy Lee that I bought, the Geddy Lee Jazz Bass. Um, I'm selling... The uh, the other jazz bass that I have, the sort of Bitsa jazz bass. Oh, I don't know how these have all accumulated, but yeah, yeah. Why um, are you selling everything? Because I decided that I don't want to have lots of stuff. I also, I'm selling a couple of boxes of pedals. Um, what are you selling? Anything good? Oh, what are you selling? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I need to go through and list all the pedals. I'm not sure which ones I'll keep and which ones I'll. We sell. get first reserve, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool, fine. Um, and I'm just going to sell everything except for one bass. And that welcome to my world, and, and then I'm gonna no no, and then I need to buy a second base so that I have two bases. But you've got 
I don't understand. Because I own lots of... Two P bases, right? Well, I... Well, his, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking if I own a P base, I should own a jazz base. Okay. Or I could own two P bases. To be honest, I'm, I'm a bit... Two P bases. I mean, Well, I was thinking, time. have you seen the new custom shop postmodern? stuff oh with a jazz neck i saw a picture of yeah. that today actually yeah so it's, they look absolutely incredible dakota red light relicking um like like uh closet classic you can uh, actually relicking. selling all that stuff you might actually be able to afford a custom shop well yeah exactly so i was thinking i either get one of those or you know maybe i'll get something like this i actually was looking at the coronado a lot or but but really i should just get another a really good p base or jazz base and that's what i was thinking i'd do with all the money i was thinking i might go to um limelight Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, you don't like limelight, do you? No, I don't like relics and stuff that aren't Fender. Right, so anyone Pointless. who doesn't know, limelight are... Pointless. Uh, limelight are a company owned by uh, classic and cool guitars that make um, Fender... Point, pointless and pointless Fender guitars. copies. No, they re- <laughs> they make... The same as Nash, though. Nash do it. And, pointless. And everyone likes Nash. I don't. <sighs> well, Nash are very good, and lots of people do like Nash. This is just like Nash, only made in the UK... And he'll basically do a Fender Custom Shop style bass or guitar to your um, specification, and it's a, about a grand rather than sort of two and a half. I don't. I, I could get one of the postmodern P basses on finance, or so something actually good and something that will hold its value and yeah. be <laughs> wicked. Or I could go to Limelight and spend and throw some, and, a and big bag of money into a toilet show, and flush show, it. Show him some pictures of the postmodern and be like, "Can you make this?" <laughs> I think the thing is with all of those sort of bases uh, or you know builders who do other stuff is that they are awesome and generally they're really really well built instruments problem is they just have no resale value yeah and that's a tricky thing I well, mean neither do Joe's massive collection of Yamahas <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the, the probably one of the worst decisions I've made is my huge collection of unsellable Yamahas because no one wants them Wow. Anyway, we've got massively off subject, but that, yeah. Well, I was thinking, actually, maybe we could save the rest of this news for next week when yeah, it won't be there news. Is a lot. Yeah. We'll do a Summer Nam part two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do we feel about that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Good. Yeah, there's um, some good stuff on there. Let's wrap this one up. Um, we've got a load of questions. We're going to go and answer those in the Patreon episode. Um, Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Um, you can uh, sign up and help us out by donating a small amount of, of money um, and you'll get an extra half an hour of this every week. Um, so... Uh, some people have done that already uh, Will uh, in fact oh. do, you, uh, do you want to read this okay what sort of music are we going for I don't think I need music I'm just going to go for like an epic voice okay I was just going to do that okay so uh, these people have uh, backed us on Patreon and um, if you want to do so patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds Patreon backers Will Clare Chris Wilson Scott Matt Quine Fletch Fletcher Phil Tomset, Moog Gravett, Colin Anderson. Thanks very much. Um, if you want to join us. You know us- what? In the future, I think I'm going to do it more like I'm going to put weird inflections on it. So it'll be like Will Claire, Chris Wilson, <laughs> Scott, Matt Quine, <laughs> Fletch Fletcher, Phil Tomset, Moog Gravett. <laughs> Colin Anderson. That wasn't in the future, was it? That was just doing the whole thing again. Yes. Good. Um, Thanks for uh, joining us. If you want to uh, see more, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum, where you can ask us questions and stuff. Um, You can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Guitar Nerds Videos, where we've smashed through the 5,000 subscriber mark and our... Getting closer to 6,000, which is pretty awesome. Um, On Twitter, at Guitar Nerds. On Instagram, at Guitar Nerds. You can find me on the Twitter, at Mark Random. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Matt underscore Nighty, or find me on the Facebook forum. That's where I hang out most of the time. Joe Branton. You can find me on the Twitter, at at Yosef underscore 900. Um, Also, you can check out... um, Actually... This isn't a plug for my band. I, Don't say I'm anything saying, rude. I'll no. tell you why. Because I've accidentally deleted Pro Tools from my computer. So oh, any heavy God. editing is going to take me a lot longer. Oh, you're such an idiot. Do I need to get you a copy of Pro Tools? <laughs> no, that's fine. All right, okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you can check out... Uh, you, you should check out my band's Instagram. You know, don't 
listen to my band i'm not asking you to do that but um i took loads of pictures of all the gear we were using last week and there's some what about really the amps and stuff cool stuff yeah what what about the amps and uh, stuff yeah yeah other than the gear that we were taking uh playing through um i've um yeah I've, there are loads of, made that joke in yeah, this podcast, is, isn't it? yeah. um uh yeah ch- check out all the pictures of the amps i think you can do that at, at uh oh no it's not at is it at on instagram yeah, well, yeah, kind at, of you just search yeah, for uh, we are polymath but yeah check it out there's loads of cool gear do that um join us next week for uh summer nam roundup part two uh more of this nonsense over in the patreon episode um thanks for listening farewell bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.